waving at me. Uh, and now we're being recorded, so it's good we didn't hear any of the names of the people who were on the retreat that, that wasn't recorded. Um, and uh, it was a good retreat. It was a short retreat from uh, Wednesday to today, ended this afternoon, this, you know, at noon. And uh, it was great to be on retreat, really powerful. Uh, and always surprises me how powerful retreats are and how good they are for people, even when they're not easy. Because it's not always easy just to be right where you are and to be awake. But it is doable and it's possible and it has, it brings blessings even when it's uncomfortable. Uh, and so it's very uh, satisfying to be in the teacher role and to be with people. And uh, uh, yeah, I got, I get a note every Thursday or Wednesday, it depends who it is. Yeah, it's Michelle. Michelle sends me a note now saying, what are you, what are you talking about this week? Can you tell me by Thursday morning? I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about, Michelle, but, but I think about it. So I thought about, and, and I was on the retreat, and I thought about the living Dharma, because the Dharma was so alive on the retreat. It was so alive with everybody to see the Dharma live. By people, and all people are doing is just sitting and walking and eating and drinking and going to the bathroom and being aware of it. And that's all we're doing on the whole retreat. And we had a theme on the retreat. The theme was the three centers, which I've talked about here. And, uh, you know, so the head center, the heart center, the belly center, and what happens when we come alive in that way in all three centers. And... Um, and so I just thought, oh, yeah, well, let's talk about living Dharma because I'm, I'm experiencing the living Dharma. And then I saw this quote I had from Munindraji, and Munindraji was Joseph Goldstein's first teacher in India. And Munindraji always said one great thing. He said many great things to Joseph, but one that I love, he, he kept pointing at, at Joseph and said, the whole Dharma is sitting here. The whole Dharma is sitting here. So if so, if Manindraji would was here right now, he would point at each of us and say, "The whole Dharma is sitting right here," because it's true. The whole Dharma is sitting right in your seat. But I found an even better quote for what I'm teaching from Manindraji. I don't know about that. It's not actually better, but a good quote. Uh, when he was asked, "What is the Dharma?" And, and this is a question many people ask. And if you've ever sat with Pam Weiss, uh, she tells a story I'm remembering about her asking this question to one of her teachers. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of the teacher. Yeah, I'm not kidding. If the name comes, I'll tell you. But the teacher, a very little Japanese man, very sweet and uh, beautiful teacher. Not one of my teachers. So his name hasn't stuck. Kobinchino. Kobinchino is who she was practicing with. And she said, and when she was for a new student in Zen, 
and Coben Chino was doing questions and answers. And he said, any questions? And she, she was like, no. So she raised her hand and, uh, and, uh, and Coben uh, Chino is sitting there, you know, very nobly with his cup of tea drinking and says, please ask me your question. And, and Pam says, what's the Dharma? And everybody in the room laughed because they weren't new students. So they thought they knew what the Dharma was, right? And, uh, and, and even Coben Chino smiled and said, uh, what, what's the Dharma? And she said, yeah, what's the Dharma? And people laughed and Pam said, I, I don't know what the Dharma is. And Coben Chino picked up the cup and he said, the Dharma is what holds this cup together. So he gave her a beautiful Zen answer, right? The Dharma is what holds this cup together. But in a different tradition, in a Theravan tradition, Munindraji said, when asked, what is the Dharma? He said, the Dharma is living the life fully. The Dharma is living life fully. And that's also a beautiful understanding of what the Dharma is. The Dharma is your life. And so live it fully, live it completely. Give yourself to it fully. It's, an, it's the, the dana that Nina talked about. That's the generosity of heart. Giving yourself to life fully. Giving yourself to whatever you're doing fully. Whether it's sitting, standing, walking, lying down like people were doing on the retreat. Or whether it's cleaning your dishes or cooking your dinner or vacuuming the floor or writing uh, a thesis, or um, walking outside, or going shopping, or whatever it is, give yourself to each thing completely, because the whole Dharma is right here, right? Like Munindraji said to Joseph, but also it's everywhere you go, it's everywhere you are. There is no Dharma outside of you. That's not an accurate way to say it. It's one way to say it. The other way to say it, oh, is the Dharma is everywhere. And it's everywhere we go. It's every person we see. It's everything we do. So can we give ourselves using the skillful means that we know and like that we develop and that become more more cognizant as we practice and as we continue to practice. And it's one, of the, it's one of the pieces that I find so important about doing retreat practice like people were doing this week. And like, you know, and I've done lots of retreats. I'm actually excited that I'm supposed to go sit for um, three weeks in, in uh, October. And it's a little bit like, oh, I can't wait to go sit for three weeks. And, uh, and actually, I'm supposed to teach my first live retreat at Spirit Rock in September, although that may be changed because of, you know, the, the COVID variants. But I don't know, I'm not in control of that. But I would love to do it in person. And 
you know, we'll see what's, what's possible because none of us are in control of reality, which is one of the principles that we talked about on the retreat, which is we don't know what's going to happen. And not knowing, as I've said many times here at SFI, is a key component of the Dharma. And even I said this in the talk last night, it's true in the talk tonight, I don't know what I'm going to say tonight. That's why, that's why uh, Michelle, you got to quit asking me, what am I going to talk about? Because I don't know what I'm going to talk about, really. I mean, I think I know. I have this idea of living Dharma. But, but it's really, it, reality is so much more real than that. It's so much more real than thinking we know what it is. It's so much more, in my opinion, magical than that reality because every moment as i say all the time is brand new so i thought after i said i told michelle okay living dharma living dharma and then i thought oh shoot i wish i should i should have said i'll do mindful speech part two because there was a piece i left out of mindful speech but i left it out here last week but i didn't leave it out at the retreat for those of you on the retreat you're going to hear part of it again because I left out this part that's in the suttas about how to practice mindfulness of the body. And, and maybe I did say it at the, at the teaching last week. I, I'm not sure. But because uh, I talked about right speech and then mindful speech and mindful speech being embodied when we speak. And even now, when we speak and when we listen, so right now, I want to encourage all of you, make this the most important thing. Be aware of your body right now while you're listening to me. Be aware of your somatic, kinesthetic, energetic aliveness that is listening to me. So that experientially, you sense or feel or aware of your body while you're listening, while I'm speaking. And later, when I open it up for questions or comments, you can do the same thing when you're talking. And we were experimenting with this on retreat today because people started talking, you know, uh, more uh, interpersonally today. And so the teaching and the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body is that one acts in full awareness uh, when one is moving, when one is looking one way or the other, when flexing, extending one's arms or limbs, uh, full awareness when wearing clothes, when uh, uh, full awareness when, when eating, drinking, consuming food and tasting. This is all body practice full awareness of the body when eating, drinking, consuming food, tasting, one acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating, one acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, and keeping silent. That's, it's the simplest 24-7 practice to do is stay aware of your body now while you're listening to me. And it's a relaxed practice. You don't have to do a lot. You're already, your body's already here. You're already hearing me. Just feel your body. Just put the body 51% in the foreground of your awareness and put me in 49% of your awareness. I'm okay with that. 
And you could do it even different. You could do 75 and 25. I don't mind just being 25% of your consciousness. It's plenty. And, uh, but, but the idea is, oh, there's another way to be in the world that's not about doing the listening. It's about being the listening. It's not just doing the talking, it's being the talking, letting talking do itself at a certain level. And of course, I always add in in the, in the foundations of mindfulness, um, after each um, practice that the Buddha gives for mindfulness of the body, this is just one of them, he says he adds the insight, right? And in this way, one contemplates the body as the body internally, externally, both internally and externally at the same time. Or one abides uh, contemplating the fresh moment of body or the passing away of that fresh moment of body. And one abides, or one simply abides um, that there is a body is established. So that simple practice of just feeling the body, aware of the body experientially, right? And then he says, and one abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. This is how a practitioner abides contemplating the body as a body. And so he's pointing to the deepest teaching with this simple teaching of being mindful of the body while we're speaking and listening right now. And you can do it with your eyes closed, but it's also really skillful to do it with your eyes open because mostly in your daily life, in what's called normal life, you're not gonna have your eyes closed when you're talking and listening. You're gonna have it open and you can let the sights come in, but don't go out to the sights, let the sights come in like the sounds come in and feel your body, feel what sees, what hears, what's knowing, which is part of what it means to be embodied. So, and then I was writing a little about the retreat. I said, oh yeah, today was going home, but there's no going home. Um, and this idea of living the Dharma is traditionally the Dharma's What's pointed at in Dharmic teaching is two things, the relational or interactive component of our heart and mind, and the non-relational or the non-interactive component of each moment, or not each moment, but many moments. So when people come on retreat like they just did, they, they start, especially at the beginning, and they're very involved in their interactive experience with their mind and heart and body. It's very interactive. This is happening, that's happening. I like this, I don't like this, I want this, I don't want this. Oh, when's this gonna calm down? When's this gonna get better? Oh, wow, I came for this, but I'm getting this. And it's very interactive, right? And everything is going, going, going. And the mind keeps us very involved in what the mind and heart does for a while, right? All kinds of behavior and all kinds of thinking, much of the thinking is relational, 
about our jobs or our relationships or our work or our friendships or what's happening in the world or what happened yesterday or what happened 10 years ago or 30 years ago or 50, 70 years ago, depending on how old you are. Anytime you can think about anything as if it's happening right now. And the thinking is happening right now. The other piece that the Dharma, so the Dharma wants us to be aware of that, right? But the Dharma also wants us to see that there's a possible for what the Buddha described as this independence. One abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world, that we can discover the it's not even a place. We can discover the independent nature of each of reality, of a moment, that we're just here. We're not doing anything. We're not interacting with anything. We're not trying to become something or not become something. We're simply being at some point. And the Dharma is pointing us at what it means to be a human being. And so the interactive world that we're part of is very important. We need to take care of ourselves, our bodies, our hearts and minds, our loved ones. We need to do the things we need to do to feed ourselves and clothe ourselves and, and uh, keep clean and everything that the monastics do, only it's a little more complex if you're living in the world. Right? You're not just in a monastery and you have a robe and a bowl, which has its own difficulty, but is very simple. <clears throat> and also there's a great inspiration that's possible in our interactive world for compassion and love and dana, generosity to rise as we relate to one another here in this human way, in this ordinary way. And uh, right, many kinds of meaningful uh, attitudes can arise in relationship, especially when we see how interdependent we are on one another for everything, right? I always, this is here, this is just Eugene's thing, but I really love blueberries. I don't know how many people like blueberries. Let me just see, okay, right? So you know what? I go to the store, I go to Safeway, and they have organic blueberries almost every day. Like, isn't that wild? <laughs> that must sound really nuts to some people. <laughs> but it's true. Where the hell did the blueberries come from? And who is doing that that gets the blueberries to the Safeway on 7th Avenue today? Right? And how many people are doing that? right, from the people who plant the blueberries and then nourish them and water them and grow them and pick them and box them and ship them and drive them and put them on the shelves. And you just hear there's a whole, there's a, there's a mandala of humanness that goes into Eugene getting his blueberries anytime he wants, basically. And they're organic. You know, I like organic. So... You know, I mean, it's just wild to be aware of 
the actuality of, of the interrelated relational world that we live in and the beauty of it and the goodness of it and the generosity. And okay, now I know that people aren't doing this for dana, like we talk about it in, the, in Buddhism where, oh, you just give or not give. You have to pay for the, the blueberries and I'm happy to pay for the blueberries. It's still dana. People are giving their lives so that I can go and have blueberries. They're giving their time, their energy, their goodwill, their carefulness in driving or flying the blueberries. And this is happening all the time with everything at a certain level. And we wanna be able to be aware of that because it wakes up our heart. It wakes up our own dana, our own generosity, our own goodwill, our own love for humans. And if I want to, yeah. <clears throat> so the meditation practice, getting here, being here, and starting to wake up opens up the whole world. And of course, I don't mean to overemphasize the relational world that it's so great, because the relational world the interactive world, being interactive with life has problems. Um, you know, if I was just visiting uh, my daughter in New York and, you know, they have a lot of ticks in New York and you can get Lyme's disease from the ticks in New York. And uh, I don't want Lyme disease. I know people have had it. It's a very difficult, some of you may have had Lyme. It's a very difficult disease. But it's, uh, and it's part of what's difficult about living in an interactive world is it's not safe, actually. Anything can happen at any time and, and there's no getting around that. And the Dharma also offers us the truth of that um, fragility of what it is to be a human being that we could get hurt or sick or ill or die anytime, at any moment. And so the Dharma keeps pointing is if our happiness is dependent on Eugene, is if Eugene's happiness is dependent on Eugene getting blueberries every day, that's a very unstable happiness. That, that happiness will not last at all. And there are days when there's no blueberries and Eugene is not happy about that. But I don't, uh, even though I'm not happy on a, the relative level, at an ultimate level, that it's no big deal. Really, it's who cares? There's no blueberries. I love blueberries. I want them. Makes me happy for, you know, a while to have some blueberries. But there's another level of what's here that it's, I don't care really about the blueberries. And it's the same for a lot of little things that I care about. You know, I love the Warriors. I love they had five winning seasons. You know, they're not very good anymore. Does it matter? Really? It doesn't matter. I'm really happy the Giants are playing well right now. Some of you may know this. And yeah, you know, Lloyd is clapping. It's fun. It's fun when your team wins. But really, does it matter? It actually doesn't matter. It's just sports. 
It's just fun. And so one can enjoy it without being attached to it, really. And so retreat starts to let us let go of what we're attached to, what we cling to, what we're holding on to. And we start to see that there's another dimension of reality that is not just the interactive world, but the independent world of just being and being a human being, being a human being and just the beingness of what's available. And it's beautiful on retreat to watch people kind of what we call settle down or get here and then things open up and they're not doing the opening. They're doing their practice, sitting, walking, standing, lying down, bathroom, food, you know, they're doing, they're being mindful, but their heart's open and they're not doing the heart opening. It's opening on its own. Their, their minds are opening. And we talked about the head center yesterday and what happens when the head center opens and something relaxes in the mind and we start to see the way things are the truth, the dharma, the truth of the way things are. And we see, and here I told this story on retreat, but it was a good story, I thought, about um, getting ready to give the talk and feeling uh, uptight about giving the talk. I, I wasn't clear about what to talk about or how to say it or what would be helpful in the right way. And I woke up and I was a little anxious about it. And I just thought, oh, I just have to, take a walk. And so I went outside and I took a walk. And as soon as I got in the park, something happened, my head relaxed. And everything started to open. I, I literally felt the head center open. And it was like, oh, and I could see and I wasn't thinking about the talk. What happened was I could see things for what they were the life of the trees and the plants and the flowers. And even there were just a few, this was, you know, at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, there were a few people in the park, but it was still, it didn't matter. It was the life that was there and the quiet and even the fog, which I don't like the fog. I'm tired of the fog. Somebody please take away the fog, but the fog's here. But the fog was beautiful uh, uh, yesterday morning. It was like, but it wasn't the fog. It was like, oh, my heart and mind had opened. And it was like, and I could see the truth that this moment is good, just this moment, because that's all there was. I wasn't thinking about the talk then or what to do, but, but, but reality, the Dharma gave me the talk by giving me the opening of the head center and the opening of the, the head center is often called the eye of wisdom. And that eye started to see the truth of that moment. And so, and this happened for, it happens for people at some point on retreat. And the meditator sees that even doing anything, there's nothing to do. It's all about just being aware of what's here and letting it come and go, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, whether it's good or bad. We can just rest in the arising of the truth moment by moment by moment and be aware of it. So 
So I think I'm going to stop there. So just a few words about living the Dharma and how the Dharma impacts us and the possibility for the Dharma to impact us both ways where we feel independent and totally interrelated. And they're both true. And so I like to hear your thoughts or opinions, reactions. What do you think about what I've said? What's your experience of living the Dharma? What works? What doesn't work? What will you, you ask me or say if I call on you in a few minutes, if nobody raises their hand, which I'm open to doing? Uh, yeah. And please, anybody want to raise your hand? You can use the uh, under the reactions button at the bottom of your screen, there's a raise hand button. And of course, I want to always invite people who haven't spoken. I'm happy with people who have spoken because they they speak a lot, but they, you know, I like them. But I'm, yeah, I want to keep including people who haven't spoken. Your voice is also important in this whole conversation, which for me is the best part of the evening because we, the Dharma comes alive together when we start interacting about it. Okay, Ali, please unmute yourself. And of course, I switch from, uh, from uh, gallery view to speaker view. So please start speaking, Ali. Thank you, Eugene. I was a bit uh, confused when you were talking about the uh, keeping the mindfulness in the body while I was listening, because uh, to me, I could just, perhaps the mindfulness explains the thing and one thing at a time. But if you kind of like, expects, you know, extrapolate that I could be in my body listening to you and then perhaps uh hearing seeing the bird outside also and then I'm back yeah. in the you know just no, no. mission so, of the things but I was well, just wondering well, well, about wait 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 what's wrong with that so you hear two things I did I don't think it's uh I could I, I couldn't do it actually I was just in the body or listening to you well Wait, wait, can you, wait, 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 wait. You got to go slower here. I'll hear okay. too quick. Okay, thank you. So right now, can you feel your body while I'm speaking? Just feel your body. Don't think about it. Feel it. Well, that's the issue is I'm thinking about it because I either can do the thinking or, uh, or I mean, feeling the body or listening to you. I don't think those things happen. Wait, 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 time. wait, wait, wait. Okay, here, try it this way. Stop okay. feeling your body right now. Stop feeling it. Stop <laughs> it. No, no, stop feeling it. Right? You can't stop feeling it, can no. you? So you no. are, so just that's how little it takes is just that. You're already feeling it. Don't don't do some big thing. You're feeling it. Because when I say stop feeling it, you can't stop feeling it. You know you're feeling it. So all you have to do is know what you already know right now while I'm speaking. While I'm speaking, I'm going to keep speaking just so you can play with it a second. And you, you really just want to relax. 
Okay, is it doable? It's, <laughs> I have to meet this with my thinking. And then it, it says, I mean, I process everything. This is the forefront of all the other processes is the mind. With that, it's oh, not that possible. Is, that, so. Well, 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 that's yeah. just your mind telling you stuff. Your mind's not always right. No, it's not. It, I know that. It's yeah. just, just your mind. Don't believe your mind. Believe your experience. I can play with it. Okay, play <laughs> with it. <laughs> play away. Thank you. Okay, take care. Okay, Amy. You're next. I think what you just said about believe your experience, not your mind, uh -huh. is what I want to bring. As we were sitting tonight, um, I just saw that I think I know stuff. Uh -huh. And yeah. I, I thought I understood what it meant to be aware of awareness and I'm losing my body now. Mm -hmm. And, but as we were sitting, um, I got it. <laughs> and uh -huh. I didn't understand. Uh -huh. It started with the first, this, you know, being whoa, 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 whoa. This is why not knowing is so important. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause the knowing often obscures what we don't know. And when I say, and, and we talked about this on the retreat, we, we uh, you know, that was part of what opens in the head center is that, is that there's uh, the knowing blocks the freedom, openness, emptiness of the head center. And, it, and when I say understanding we don't know doesn't mean we don't know anything. It's just we don't let what we know obscure or block the openness, spaciousness of reality. And there's so much, however much we know, there is so much more we don't know. That I can assure everybody. But there, there's like no pocket of air or space when you think you know. <laughs> well, I can feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, so I, I'm glad you've got some air now. Yeah. What I felt is that that awareness of being aware has its own life, its own movement, its own action. Say, say that again. I'm sorry. It has say its that. own life, its uh -huh. own movement its own action. Uh -huh. um, and almost immediately, I saw myself wanting to uh -huh. take that experience and put it in my pocket. Yeah, great. Some other time. Good. You know, so, take it to the bank. I was gonna yeah. take it to the bank. Great, so go ahead, take it to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, you can have it. Alive. <laughs> just, you're just seeing something about, again, what we talked about on retreat was small sense of self, big sense of self. So the openness, expansiveness, and immediacy of awareness, you can't take it to the bank. There's no bank big enough. 
right? It's so much bigger than that. But the small sense of self, that's how it relates to reality. That's what I was talking about earlier about that interactive part, right? We're always interacting, relating to things as if we could take it to the bank, right? But reality is a little wilder than that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Let's see. Uh, hold on. So, um, Isla, you know, I'm always thinking, I don't know how to say your name, but I, so you have to tell me again. Yeah, that's right. It's Isla. Oh, good. I got it right. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm here with my mom, Susan, this week. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, wait, wait, how come you speak louder or something for a minute? Is this better? Yeah, no, I can hear you fine, but it's like you're not coming into the foreground of the screen. And oh. I'm not sure why. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. Maybe light? No. No, no, it's not your lighting. It's It's Zoom. Oh, okay. Sorry. Don't worry. We're not in control of much. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to try something and see if it changes. Uh, I'm putting it on gallery. Oh, I know. I know what. Here, I'll try one thing here. Uh, shoot. Eugene, you can pin her. Yeah, I, I know, but I, I, I'm. Doing a couple things to see. Okay, now speak, Isla. Okay, is this better? Oh, wait, no, I see I'm on gallery view. I got to go back, speaker. Okay. Now try again. I'm going to pin you. Hell with it. All right. <laughs> I never pin one. I guess I just add pin. Yes. Okay. Okay, there you are. But now I see somehow you're pinned, Amy. I've got to unpin you. Oh, okay. Wait, okay, I'm removing your pin. Okay, there you are. Go ahead, Isla. Sorry. That's all good. Um, I so I have a question about for my mom. Actually, she um, usually has trouble with mindfulness of the body uh, uh -huh. because she has uh, a condition where she has a chronic pain. Uh huh. So it's challenging for her to be with her body because then she experiences the pain more. Sure. Yeah. She's daily life makes sense yeah so i'm wondering if you have any advice for uh, uh, okay uh hi mom i'm wondering uh can you say where the pain is is it everywhere or one place specifically or uh it's everywhere and anywhere okay like so it, mo it yeah, moves around it's a muscle oh. disorder where muscle cramping so right any oh. muscles. got it yeah. Okay, so um, here's a couple ways to work with it. One is um, focus on a part of the body that's not on pain. So if, you're, if your right toe is not in pain, make that the object of your meditation. And I, I'm being very sincere about it. If your toes are, are okay there, or your earlobes, there's not a lot of muscle in the earlobes, like just feel your ears, even the ears themselves, there's not a lot of muscle there. And so just feel your ears. And, and people say, well, I can't feel my ears. You, you'll find them. 
yeah. right? Because they're right here. And, and, and so you want to go to some place that's neutral, wherever it might be. And if, if the neutral place becomes uh, unneutral or painful, then move to a neutral place. And if every place, if the whole body feels uncomfortable, then go to sound okay. and be, be mindful of sound because sound is everywhere. Even the sound of silence is a sound. Right. And you, right. Okay. So you could start to, and you really want to, um, you want to customize your practice so it works for you. And, and you so. Like, um, only, like I have a mindfulness program that's an hour long and uh -huh. I can only do the first half hour. Because then, of the pain. The pain? Yeah. 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 So yes, this will be good to look to try to do it differently. Yeah, play with it, and play is really important. Word, don't work too hard at it. Right, right, and and then of course, if you do have this program, you can only do a half an hour. Do a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour in the afternoon. Right, okay. and and just see how can you start being creative, uh, and and help yourself because it's possible. And uh, yeah, and I wish you well with it. It's body pain stinks. I don't like body pain and I've had lots of it and I still have body pain. Yeah. It's just part of the deal. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, sure, thank you. And glad to know your daughter, you have a lovely daughter. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I didn't, you did it, come on. <laughs> Okay, good to meet you. Okay, let me see who else is up. Stephanie? Does, there's one Stephanie there. <laughs> and this is Virgil here. <laughs> Stephanie and Virgil. Okay, now I've got to un... I've got, wait. Virgil on that name plate. <laughs> you can do it. It's not too hard. You, oh. just put, you just put Stephanie and Virgil. Okay. 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 Yeah. It's a great name too. But <laughs> Stephanie is good, but I like Virgil. There's not a lot of Virgils these days. Oh, good taste. <laughs> and, and his best friend in childhood was Horatio. <laughs> Phew. Those are some good names. Okay. Anyway, what, uh, what's up, Stephanie? There are two things on my mind. One was about the beauty of empty awareness, which I really experienced in the meditation this evening. Uh -huh. um, and how it can and does hold everything without any judgment, without any uh, pushback, without any response, reaction, and so forth. Mm -hmm. It just feels like love. <laughs> uh, I think the only thing I can say about that is... <laughs> <laughs> and the second thing I think you answered uh, when you were talking to um, Isla and her mother. Uh-huh because I'm looking at a second knee replacement pretty soon. 
Uh And last one, I had a horrible time Mm -hmm. with the pain. And Mm -hmm. so um, I think you've just given me some ways to deal with that. Uh, You know, I I had a lot of pain in my bicycle accidents that I had. You know, I I broke one side of the body, then I broke the other side of the body. And I have to say the the drugs they gave me for the pain were very helpful. And you have to be very careful with them because they're addicting, right? And, uh, and I was given some very serious drugs because there was a tremendous amount of pain and, and body hurt. Um, and and it's, it's an art to know how to work with pain medication. And what you want to do is try to keep the pain from getting overwhelming, right, at first. So you want to take as much as needed as first, and then you slowly, carefully want to taper, even while there's still pain, but you want to do less and less of the pain medication. Well, it made me so sick, I didn't do well with it at all. (laughs) Yeah. What what were they giving you? Do you remember? Uh, Tramadol was first, and then uh, oxycodone. Yeah, how was the oxycodone? Was that make you sick? Yeah, made me irritated. Yeah, try taking smaller amounts. That's usually they overprescribe. That and even for me, they did that, and it was like I could take half of what they prescribed, and it worked good enough. Oh, okay. Well, that's helpful. Yeah, you know, and of course, see what what's true and what works for you. And, and work with the doctor, of course, also with the yeah, medication. Sure. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Heather. Hi, Eugene. Hi, Heather. Um, Wait, I've got a I'm trying to figure out how to, where'd you go, Heather? You're gone. I'm here. Louder, louder, speak louder. Let's see if you come to the foreground. Speak again. Can you hear me, Uh, I can barely hear you. I'll turn you up. I can I'm pretty close. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's no, you're okay. Don't worry about it. I'm just trying to figure out why you're not coming. People aren't coming into my screen on the speaker view. There you are. You're there. Okay, good. Good. Okay. So um I loved your story about the blueberries. And <laughs> I did. I loved it. And, um, you know, I uh have been working and working and working since the beginning of COVID. Um, And I took two weeks off and I've been, I didn't really see how burnt out I was and I was so burnt out. And, um, and I took two weeks off. I went for a week, um, basically uh, doing a workshop with other artists. And it was just so wonderful to be around artists because my work has nothing to do with being with art. And so just being around other creative people and just, I felt so blessed. And then my husband and I had our anniversary and just, we just got back. Like, I was like, I have to hear Eugene tonight. I don't know why I just have to hear him. And we just landed and we arrived at like 5.55 and I got on the computer. (laughs) Um, 
And I was meditating and I was getting relaxed and I was getting irritated at him for making tons of noise while he's unpacking and you know, my cats need to be fed. There's all kinds of stuff happening. But what you reminded me of, we went to Kauai for a week and I've never been there before. And it is just this blessed land. And I never relaxed into a, like a, a place before like I did there. Um, it's like 90% uninhabited or undeveloped. And the energy there is so vibrant and just how mother earth is so generous. Like you just see it there everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. um, and then just thinking about those blueberries and all the gifts from this journey that we just took and just getting away from work. Like, like you were talking about retreat and the importance of that just all sort of came <clears throat> to the forefront. And um, yeah, I think I just wanted to share that and to thank you for the reminder because when we landed and I saw the fog, my heart sank and I'm going mm. back to work tomorrow. <laughs> really yeah. reminded of all that, all that's right here that is so good. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. And it's good, but it's good you're reminding us of Kauai and Hawaii. And, you know, because if you live in San Francisco and especially if you're in the uh, western part of the city, it's very fog. It's been very foggy summer. And uh, it's like enough already is how it feels, but it's not over yet. So, but glad you got to have a vacation and you're more relaxed and, uh, and stay relaxed no matter what. So it's all just doing itself at a certain level, just like the plants and beauty of Kauai is doing itself. Yeah, great. Thank you. Lord Rath, please speak up, Mr. Rath. Not hearing you. Here I am. you. Uh, there you are. And I can see you also. Good. Good evening. Hey, Good evening. I, I wanted to talk about uh, la this week's or last week's homework. So uh -huh. we were, we were going to work on uh, right speech. Uh -huh. and, it, and it was an interesting exercise um, trying to keep that in mind as I spoke to people and as I entered into discussions and mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it definitely, you know, because I love gossip. <laughs> so that took away a whole bunch of fun for me because I uh -huh. did gossip, but um, uh -huh. yeah, you know, it was just interesting how, how much of, how much of my um, time is spent probably outside of right speech. Mm -hmm. But it was just good to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it really opens up a whole Dharma door that just speech, if we just do speech, it shows so much. And there's so much more that we see when we have that kind of focus in daily life. Because we're not if, just talking. One of the things that was interesting for me was to, to look back um, because I, in, in my work, telling people the hard things, like when mm -hmm. things weren't going so well, mm -hmm. um, when I began that part of my career, it was like people would walk out of my office and they couldn't tell if I was praising them or if I was telling them they weren't doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you know, I, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but actually what I did was I just created a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. And um, then eventually as I matured into my, I became more uh, aware of my work, I realized that being direct and saying what was truthful was really much more beneficial to everybody. That's, that's a beautiful story about the Dharma that you're saying and how the living the Dharma is better for oneself and others. And, and so the interconnectivity is even that component of the Dharma is there and the Dharma itself of being truthful and honest and, and living with right speech, the principles of the Dharma are right there and the practice of the Dharma is right there. So that's, that's a great, great story, Lloyd. Thank you. Yeah, helpful. Here, I've got something for you. Just happened to, to uh, come into my view to, as I was preparing for this talk. Uh, you, you know what that is? No. Do you know what that is? It looks like can, a flower. Yeah, but can you read what it says? It says, meditations on relationship. Yeah, and below? Uh, Erica M. Yeah. I can't read, I can't read the name. Walid. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to tell her to go collect the money. They're so, doing uh, very well. They're doing great. Well. That's what I wondered. So this is a, a little book that, uh, that, that was made by uh, Eric and Walid, who is uh, Lloyd's daughter and son-in-law. And, uh, and it came into my, uh, uh, hands today because it was in some folder in some of the talks that I have oh. and and I haven't seen there Erica's was part of the Sangha on the board of the Sangha for a while here and haven't seen them for a while they I know they have a baby and yeah, uh, baby. who's who's probably not a baby anymore no she's smoking my cigarettes and drinking my beer so <laughs> that's not true and that's wrong speech <laughs> <laughs> There goes, uh, there goes some gossip for you. <laughs> really, but please say hello to both of them for me, okay? Have a great week, Eugene. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you too. And I think that's about it tonight. I think we're, uh, we're out of time. Uh, good to be with everybody. Let's just sit together for one moment and offer our good wishes uh, appreciating the blessing of having this time and place and Sangha to come together, to be together, to practice together, to wake up together, to learn together, to discover the Dharma and to live the Dharma together. May, uh, may our good fortune, and uh, okay, now I gotta read this from Isla who said, I had a lovely dinner with Eric and Walid on Friday night at Ford Cinema. They're doing very well. Good. Please say hello for me. Um, but now we're going to continue sharing the merit of our good fortune. May it go out in every direction, in every world, in every realm. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be at ease.
May all beings be free from suffering, free from confusion, free from misunderstanding their true nature, their Buddha nature. May we all awaken, may we awaken together. Next week, Kitty Costello will be here. Kitty's been part of the San Francisco Insight Sangha for many years. She's also was trained in the community Dharma leaders and very involved with uh, ecological Dharma and, uh, and other facets of the Dharma. So please welcome her well, and I'll see you, I believe, in two weeks. I'm going to look really quickly so I can be accurate in my speech. And... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back on the 29th, so I'll see you then. Please stay healthy. Be well, everybody. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.